Hey everybody, welcome to the OCA Podcast, where you will find resources to help you care for anyone and everyone affected by foster care and adoption. To find resources to help you, you can visit us online at orphancarealliance.org or find us on social media at OCA Kids. Hey guys, it's Matt here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about a special event we have going on through the month of May. Now, many of you probably know that the month of May is Foster Care Awareness Month. And so to uh, bring attention to the 10,000 foster kids that are in care in our state and in Southern Indiana, we are hosting uh, what we are calling Miles for Hope. We are trying to get 10,000 people to walk one mile each, representing the 10,000 foster kids in care in our uh, service area. If you'd like to find out more about that, you can visit orphancarealliance.org slash milesforhope2020. You can register for free. You can donate. Our our fundraising goal is $30,000 for this month. Uh, or you can buy a T-shirt, uh, or you can do all three. Uh, any of that is open to you. If you, I will say this: if you uh, donate thirty dollars or more, you get a free T-shirt. Uh, now it's free to register, free to walk. Uh, we would ask that you take a picture of you and your family walking and post it on your favorite social media account using the hashtag Miles for Hope twenty twenty and hashtag ten thousand for ten thousand. Now let's jump into today's episode. We are joined by Stephanie Somerville. Stephanie is a small business owner with her husband. Uh, They own Impact Battery, and they are also a foster care advocate. You can find out more about their business at impactbattery.com. Her and her husband, Darren, uh, have... Uh, are trained respite care providers and foster care parents. Their journey has led them to have a passion for teenagers to thrive and move into hope after they spend their lives in foster care. Jonathan sits down with her today to discuss how her and her husband uh, utilize their business to provide opportunities for vulnerable kids to thrive. They discuss Stephanie's heart for this and foster care and how she helped us come up with the idea for Miles for Hope. Uh, As always, we hope you're encouraged as you listen. Stephanie, great to be with you. Thanks so much for your time. Um, so much appreciate um, as I've sat with you and been with you. Um, one of the things that I've, I've noticed most about you is your passion and your desire to really um, get people engaged um, in doing something. Um, so whether it's being a foster care parent or a respite care provider, you and your husband have been incredible supporters um, and advocates um, and your family as a whole of um, getting the cause out and getting the need out for people to step in somewhere. Can you talk talk to me about a little bit, talk to us a little bit about where that passion came from? Because that's... Um, you're not a foster care parent. Yes, you're trained, but you don't have kids in your home. Um, but there's just this passion. There's this advocacy behind you that says, let's do this. I want my church to do this, and I want to move forward in this. Um, so if you could tell us a little about where's that come from, where's that spark come from um, in you and your family? Yeah, um, I think the spark really initiated um 
with my husband because he, um, when we lived in Indiana, he did social work and he worked um, a lot with kids who were aging out of the foster care system and he was teaching them life skills. And um, through hearing some of his stories of how kids were being on their own and they didn't know how to make macaroni and cheese or how to balance a checkbook, um, that sort of resonated with me of like, how does a kid not know how to make mac and cheese? And so um, we end up pursuing his lifelong career of his goal um, from college is he wanted to work at a boy's ranch. So we moved to Southern Oregon and we worked um, in a residential. It was actually out in the country, about a 40 acre ranch. And we had about 18 boys um, in a home that we took care of. And majority of those kids were coming out of failed adoptions. And a lot of them who had some criminal background were court ordered to be there. And we worked a lot with them. And it really opened my eyes to see um, how much these kids were put through at such a young age. Mm and how much anger they had and um, just the abuse and neglect that went on. Um, it just really broke my heart and it was hard. I mean, when you're living with them 24 um, seven because we did live there on the ranch um, and taking them to all of their appointments and everything, um, it, it did wear me out. And so we did have to step back from that for a few years. And then when we moved to Kentucky, um, the Lord blessed us with a house larger than we need. And my husband was like, I think we could do like our own little private boys ranch here. And um, it actually turned in to be our little foster home. And so it turned out to be a great win-win for us. Um, but when we did move to Kentucky, I did not um, ever think that I'd be a foster parent. Um, it just wasn't in my forethought of thinking. And um, during a pregnancy care center um, gala, there was a judge from Lexington who um, did family court, and he talked a lot about um, the foster care system. Mm -hmm. And it just really broke my heart of all the kids that are in foster care who needed adoptive homes, and there's no one there to adopt yeah. them. Was this a passion that you had prior to your husband moving out to Oregon or even as you, I mean, as you guys were dating, obviously, I mean, what was that? I mean, that's not, no, I mean, it, some it, people I, have I, this growing up, you know, and then it's like, but it sounds like that's something that's just followed along. Like yeah, you've just it's grown really, on your heart, right? Been impressed. Yeah. Upon heart. It's, it's really grown because growing up as a kid, uh, my grandmother told me I was going to be a brain surgeon. <laughs> and so, and I always knew I was going to be in the medical field somehow, somewhere. And, um, we did care for um, a little girl um, growing up and I call, I call her my sister and I really think my parents saved her from going into the foster care system mm. because she lived with us. Um, reflecting back on that now, I think God was planting seeds 
Um, but it took my husband probably to start watering them and then God shining some light and doing certain things for that to really grow into a passion that I have now. And I really honestly think once you sometimes being a coming a parent and raising your own kids and just thinking about if I wouldn't want anyone doing something bad or hurtful to my kids and just having your heart broken over that and seeing how some kids live with trauma from the moment they're born or even when they're in the womb, Mm -hmm. that just breaks my heart how some parents don't fight for their kids more than I, I feel like I would fight for my Mm -hmm. kids. So it, it, it grew over time. Yeah. And what's that look like to fight for, um, to fight for kids in your area. I, I know you're outside of Lexington, so it's a it's a smaller town, right? I mean, it's not necessarily one of our bigger towns in Kentucky in the region, um, but you still have to fight for kids. How is that? How does that look like? What does that look like um, in the area where you are? Because it's not as the resources probably aren't as as available. Right. It, that is very true. Like we live in a rural um, a town in Eastern Kentucky and um, psych mental health. I mean, it's really lacking um, providers here, even a primary care, um, like they'll diagnose like ADHD, but they truly don't understand what it is to deal with a child that comes from trauma and how that really affects the brain development So like with the one kiddo that I had in our home, I fought so hard (laughs) that we did some unconventional therapies with him and knocking on this, my state worker's door a lot of times. And she's seeing that traditional things weren't working, realized that, yes, we need to try something different and bringing those ideas also, um, when we would have our twice a year meetings with the foster care review board and then also being an advocate for our foster son at that time, realizing, yes, we've got to do something different regardless if um, insurance wants to pay for it or not. We've got to find the funding because this child's life is so precious and he matters that we have to try different things. So I did, I I traveled out of state for services, for help for specialists um, that are not in our region. Um, What were the different things that you did? Like, I mean, that's, uh, that's a, that's a great point because there are a lot of traditional things that we do, Mm -hmm. but you're fighting and you're intentional about finding what's best for, for your, for your children. What were some of those things that you did? Because that's not an easy find. I mean, that's something that you're moving into with an intentionality right. to say, I'm here to help my child. I'm right. here to help this child. Um, for me, myself, I feel like I'm a lifelong learner. So if I don't understand and I feel like I'm not getting the answers and something just doesn't feel right, I dig on the internet. Um, I think with some of my nursing background, it's really helped me. Um knowing some things, um, from just the nursing field. Um, and then also making connections with other people. I did find several, um, Facebook groups, um, that had children with this similar type of, um, diagnosis. Cause I don't want to go too mm-hmm. detailed yeah. into that. 
um, where they made recommendations. And then I started looking up specialists um, for those particular diagnoses. And that's how we ended up at Cincinnati's um, several times. Um, and it made a huge difference. And they were able to say, hey, we've got these resources available here, but we do know of this resource that's closer to you. I mean, it was still Lexington, so it was still an hour away. Um, but it was really getting the right provider for the right diagnosis that made a, a world of a difference and maybe getting you know, the right psychologist that deals with kids with trauma specifically. Um, one particular one that we had at, in, at UK, it was phenomenal. It was the first time I actually talked to a doctor that was, that was able to say to me, I understand what you're going through. Hmm. And um, he offered a variety of different treatment, which um, we did use some of it. Some of it we didn't because our child was very, very young and didn't know if it was really appropriate for that mm -hmm. age at that point in time. But um, the fighting for it and trying to find those resources are sometimes the most exhausting, um, especially when yeah. it's not your own child and you have to get approval from the state. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's a very, it's, it's hard. It is doable, but it, yeah. it takes a lot of patience. Yeah. Which just, uh, tends to, or goes back to what we, I mentioned at the start, just your passion and your advocacy for children. Like you went, not to the ends of the earth, but ultimately you you fought for your your child. This child that you brought into your home wasn't technically your child, but someone that was under your roof and someone that you loved and cared for, mm -hmm. which speaks a lot to you. And you went above and beyond to make sure that these people are taken care of. And I've as I've been with you, I, I know you've done so much. You've been on the foster care review board. You're currently going to school to get uh, psych, mental health, and nursing, which continues to um, to speak to your heart and your giftedness about kind of what your, you said your grandmother said you'd be a brain surgeon, which still kind of yeah. <laughs> is kind of brain surgeon, right? I mean, being a mental health psych is, is doing brain surgery to an extent. Um, and so it's awesome. But now I know you all, um, have a small business. It's, I mean, it's probably, I mean, it's, it's a great business. Um, how do you utilize that business? Tell us a little bit about your business and how do you utilize that business, to continue to be an advocacy for foster and adoptive care as your husband's heart still probably beats for that area as well. Yeah. Um, so with our business, um, one of the biggest things my husband noticed, even when he did social work um, with independent living, and then also when we lived on the boys ranch, the biggest um, hurdle that we could see for these kids is that they did not have life skill life skills, especially job skills. They were coming out and they never had a job. A lot of them couldn't find jobs um, because sometimes I think there's the stigma where some employers think foster care kids, maybe they might not be as reliable or there might be some unpredictability. And so with my husband, with him doing independent living, he was teaching them life skills. When we lived on the boys ranch, we were teaching them life skills. I mean, we were a working ranch. So teaching these kids responsibilities and chores and what that looked like helped. So when we started our business, um, a big piece of that was, is let's um, have a business 
so we can bring in kids and also teach them life skills. Mm. And um, we've, we've sort of done that, but we also haven't really been able to jumpstart that because I'm going back to school. Mm-hmm. But we have a majority of our workforce is college and high school kids. Mm. And it's so neat because some of them have not been able to get jobs. So we're able to walk along aside them and um, teach them a skill. And hopefully that particular skill, they can translate out into the real world if they want to leave us. We hope they'd stick with us um, because I like really, I love all the guys that work for us. They're a great group of kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I just enjoy it because we're able to teach them things and, you know, what it means to be at work on time. What does work ethic look like? How does managing your money look like? Mm-hmm. And especially with some of these guys in college, you know, we're talking about now offering scholarships for them. So that way they will want to perform well at work and be able to get a scholarship that helps them also pay for their schooling. And um, that for me is encouraging um, to see them grow. And we do like with the, um, this past staff meeting, we have a staff meeting every Friday morning. And um, one of the guys who was new for us was like, why do you like sell batteries? (laughs) You know, like, does, like, how does that bring you joy? (laughs) And so we had a staff meeting just talking about, how God has been able to work through our business to be able to share the gospel with customers over the phone and how we're able to share the gospel with the different, um, you know, shipping companies that come in out the door, how we're able to be a light for the guys that work for us and how, um, much God has really blessed us, um, uh, financially that we're able to give a portion of ourselves to organizations that are pro-life and then also that continue the ministry of foster care and orphan care. And they, they really didn't realize that. So I think with the, us really saying, Hey, this is who we are. We started the company to work with kids so that they can gain life skills but also part of our business model from the very beginning was to give a portion of all of our sales away to a charity that is, um, you know, building the kingdom. And right, um, really, since we moved to Kentucky, it's really been focused on actually I'll take that back. When we lived in Oregon, it was really pro-life and because I was really involved in pro-life organizations there. But really, since we moved to Kentucky, God's really changed my focus to Mm. foster care because there's such a huge need um, for these kids and they are our future. Mm. So and I want them to have that, you know, that foundation um, so that, you know, that they can break that cycle so that their kids don't end up in foster care also. Yeah. It's awesome. And, and I, I didn't hear you say, I love selling batteries. Like I heard you no. say, what, 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 <laughs> I, what I heard you say is I love the opportunity that comes from the business that mm-hmm. God's blessed my husband and I with. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely. not something that I don't love selling a battery and sending it in a box <laughs> so that someone can work on their, um, whatever power wheels or whatever. Right. And so, exactly. You know, and yes. so, but I, you, you love the fact that you're able to teach life skills. And you're yes. able to bring the joy, right? Yes, yeah. 
That's and cool. we also get to, I feel like, um, I know Dave Ramsey has the thing of when they ship his books, you're shipping hope. And I told the guys, I go, really? I go, when you're on the phone talking to customers, especially to parents and grandparents, and they're buying either a pig Perego battery or a Power Wheels battery for their child's birthday, I go, you are sending them hope because you don't know how much that battery means to the person who's on the receiving end mm-hmm. of it. So think of it as a blessing. You right. know, what you're doing is a blessing because um, even though we're not going to see that joy of the child opening that present, just think of what it's like for you as a kid getting something really special for Christmas or on your birthday, but yeah. that's what you're shipping. You're shipping excitement. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And you you guys have worked with teenagers for a while now, what's in teenagers, especially in the foster care system, can have a, a stigma attached to them. Oh, these kids aren't this way, or these kids don't do this, or and and the trauma obviously that comes with them brings that. Um, but what would be something that you like a myth that you would like to debunk and say like these are things that these kids really are great kids. As I've worked with kids, I recognize these kids really just need someone to build a relationship with them. And doing that, it's hard, it's not easy, um, but staying the course and being present with them and showing that you care um, really begins to change. Obviously, that's a kind of a simplistic statement, but what's what's something that you have noticed, um, a stigma that that's something that this really isn't true about a foster care teenager? Um, there's a few... Um, one is that they're super hard. <laughs> they are, I don't know a teenager that's not hard. <laughs> right, right. And that's just teenagers in general, right? Yeah. It's teenagers in general. Um, and they always have all the answers. They think they always have all the answers, but I think a lot of that has to do with is that they've never had someone in their back corner. So they are always been fighting in survival mode. And even though they say they don't want you, they do want you. They say they, they come across very independent. They are, but they still need you. They don't realize that. Um, but they do. Um, I tell my guys that work for us because they're still teenagers themselves that, we may not all get a, agree on a certain topic, but when you're in trouble, I want you to know I'm in your corner and you can call me anytime, any night, any during the night, during the day, whatever it is, because we are here for you. I don't care what the situation is. Just give me a call. I am here for you. Mm-hmm. And even though those kids will come across very independent that they don't need someone, as long as they know that you are there for them, that you're willing to fight for them. Um, they will definitely come back. Mm-hmm. I have um, one teen. He was no longer a teen when we lived at the boys' ranch. Um, very, very independent guy. Great guy. But every once in a while, he will contact Darren and I and like wish us happy Father's Day or happy Mother's Day. And this is a guy who's got kids of his own now. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes recognizing that they are, they have been on their own for so long, recognizing that, accepting that, but most importantly, you got to walk with them through that hurt and helping them process it. You can't fix it, 
but you can be there to help them heal. Mm. And um, I like to fix things. And I've had to take many steps back and say, that's not my job. That's God's job to help heal them. Mm. I can be there and help them walk through that pain if they're willing to share things with me. But I got to keep a non-judgmental attitude. I have mm. to listen to their story because it is, it is their story. Mm. It's yeah, not my so story. It's their story. Yeah, so it's good. a very painful story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's so good. Um, and so moving into your continued advocacy efforts, as we talk about the state of Kentucky, um, there are roughly around 10,000 kids who are in the foster care system. Half of those kids or a third of those kids are teenagers and above. And so, um, you were a catalyst for us at OCA to begin exploring how do we bring awareness to um, to this great need, especially in this uh, this weird new normal, these strange times that we're in. How do we move past this fear and provide this hope and awareness? Um, and so we're now doing Miles for Hope. What was kind of your um, desire to begin helping OCA? Hey, because it was your email who began to spark a conversation with us to say, move forward. Like, let's, let's begin doing something um, for the foster care system in Kentucky. Let's continue. Let's, let's do something about this. Um, I guess it, there's a couple of different things. I love to run. And so I always, um, I've been thinking over a few years on how can I help bring more financial resources to foster care. And um, with having uh, several foster kids in our home, my time uh, for planning has been really not there. And so with COVID-19, and I was talking with Darren about, um, you know, how do you, a lot of, Nonprofits are struggling financially. Even the church in itself is struggling because we're not gathering together and um, trying to figure out what are some out-of-the-box ways of, you know, bringing awareness to foster care and also um, bringing some financial support. And I came across a virtual half marathon and I was like, that's a great idea. And it was one of those things, it was open-ended. It says you could not do it all at one time. You can do a few miles here and there. You can walk, run, bike, treadmill, you know, do whatever you need to do. And it was um, to bring awareness to their cause. And I pitched the idea to Darren and I said, hey, what do you think about this? This is online, you know, you don't have to worry about getting a group of people together. It seems Maybe it's fairly easy. Of course, I'm not the one organizing it. So, you know, hey, what do you think about this? And so that's sort of how the idea started. It's a non-traditional way of bringing awareness to foster care. Um, But yet families can do it together, which is really awesome. And that's what I've been doing with my kiddos. Um, We go on, I try to go on a walk every night other than since it's been raining, my husband and I have been on the treadmill. So, but we will talk about a different topic regarding foster care. And then we pray specifically for that topic Um, because there's so many different needs and I'm 
you know, I scratch my head thinking, okay, how many days are in the month? Are there really that many things to pray about Mm -hmm. regarding foster care? And then I take a step back and my list keeps getting longer. And I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I don't need to do this for several months. But yeah, that's how the, how the idea came about. Yeah. Which, which is a super great idea. We, we went from a virtual run to, to, we're, we're, we're calling it, um, it's miles for hope, but it's 10,000 for 10,000. So we're, we're asking 10,000 people to walk a mile, um, for 10,000 kids in foster care. Um, and so it's an awareness event, uh, which is, which is, which was sparked by your advocacy, your passion. And so, like you just said, in this time of COVID-19, people are wanting to get outside. We're walking a mile, you know, I mean, that's the thing. And we're going out and we're, we're doing this. And as you all have um, prayed over these topics, I know OCA has put together a topic discussion guide, probably from things that you guys have prayed about that you can go on a walk and say, these are the things that we're going to talk about. So you walk for a mile with your family, begin bringing that awareness uh, to kids here and um, to families here in Kentucky to say, Hey, there is a, there is a great need here. Um, and so it's been great that you began that conversation for us. I mean, it was a two, three week brainstorming. Does this work? Does this not work? But trying to bring awareness um, to the opportunities to step in and to say, hey, there are kids that that need someone, as you talked about, to mm-hmm. sit in their story. And yeah, it would be, I think it would be awesome if, you know, in the future, we'd have, you know, 10,000 people sign up and adopt each one of those kids or pray specifically that each of those kids that they could pray for them by name mm-hmm. and hope that, um, that they would find their forever home. Because I don't know about you. I think a lot of people may have learned through this whole crisis, the pandemic that we're going through, loneliness is hard. Mm-hmm. And I cannot imagine, you know, 10,000 kids, you know, once they are turned loose from the foster care system, being alone mm-hmm. and they have no family and no support to turn to. It, that brings tears to my eyes. And it's just mm-hmm. so heartbreaking because I know some people um, can be hermits. They let, they, they're probably enjoying this right now mm-hmm. being home, but God created us for a relationship. And I just can't imagine just, you know, letting my own kids just, you know, saying, okay, mm-hmm. you're 18. Goodbye. See you later. Yeah. That's so hard. I want to be able to, you know, um, I can't wait for them to, you know, grow up, have their families and bring their grandchildren over those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just breaks my heart that yeah. there's going to be kids out there who don't have that support. Yeah, that's so good. And which, um, and hopefully this, the first steps, the steps that they're taking on the mile will kind of be um, just the beginning of an opportunity for families to show that relationship for, for folks um, to show that we were created by relationship and to step into that loneliness. And hopefully the ultimate relationship will begin to, through Jesus, will begin to change their lives. And so, so much appreciate you, love sitting with you, um, love your passion and how you've been, you continue to be an advocate um, for the foster care system, for adoptive families, for the church to step in. So thankful for you, thankful for your time. Appreciate you, Stephanie. Thanks again for listening. We hope you are encouraged no matter where you find yourself in your journey. 
Our vision at OCA is to see the body of Christ lead the way in caring for all those affected by foster care and adoption. Find us online at orphancarealliance.org or reach out to us via email at info at orphancarealliance.org. We are also on all social media channels as OCA Kids. Remember, one person can't do everything, but everyone can do something. Find your something today at orphancarealliance.org.